Hello everyone, I am Gui Valente and this is the Valente Brothers Podcast. I'm joined by Pedro Valente. Welcome everyone, thank you for being with us once again. And Joaquim Valente. Hello everyone, happy to be here. Today will be the last episode of 2022, a great year. We had many nice episodes, many good discussions, and we decided today to answer some of the most uh, frequent questions we received over the year. And one of them is in reference to a term that was uh, made popular by a very prominent jiu-jitsu master, Master Carlson. And he used to talk about some of the students that left his school, and he used to refer um, to them as creontes, right? Pedro, what is that term, creonte? Yeah, the term comes from Greek mythology. Creon was a Greek mythology king, and there was a soap opera in Brazil called Mandala in the 1980s that um, referred to, to Greek mythology and that had a character whose name was Creonte. Creon in Portuguese is Creonte. And Carlson, for some reason, felt that that character was a traitor. And so he started giving that name to all students who he felt were disloyal and would change schools or go train in different schools at the same time um, in a promiscuous way, as he called it, without communication with their teachers. So that became a popular name in the jiu-jitsu world in Brazil. Do you agree that a student that changes schools is a traitor? First of all, I believe in freedom. I think we live in a free country, and people are free to do whatever they want and train wherever they want. I think that obviously we, as jiu-jitsu teachers, as martial arts instructors, we need to teach ethics to our students, but I think the focus should not be on the student who usually pays to train and who's free to choose where he or she desires to train. I think the main focus should be on the instructors. They should be bound by a code of ethics. And they should be careful in these situations. And I think loyalty is very important. Consideration is very important. And trying to act in the most ethical way. I think this is true for any sports any sport, any activity, any profession, but especially with the martial arts where we're teaching people not only an art of fighting, an art of combat, an art of war, but we're also teaching a code of morals and ethics, a philosophy. Education. Education in philosophical matters. And so I think instructors have a, a bigger responsibility in always acting with ethics. And that's something that should be promoted in our profession, in our um, martial arts community. Yeah, many times martial arts um, are viewed by some who don't practice, and maybe rightfully so, many times, depending on the art, as a cult, Joaquin. What is your take on 
this whole discussion as far as creontes, traitors, right? I think that would be the easiest uh, translation to English. What is your opinion on that? I think Pedro explained it very well, and while he was speaking, it made it triggered my mind to to think about you know a couple of things that I think are important to this discussion. The first one being that if you put the responsibility on the teacher, it shouldn't be that the student fears to leave the school. He wants to stay in that school for what the school is. Because if he fears, and he doesn't want to be called that term, which I think growing up, it was something that it was very uh, negative, right? No one wanted to be seen as a creonte in any school that they trained. Then I think that's not positive. Yeah, because it's a stigma. It's a, yeah. And that sticks with you for the rest of your training days. Because they when say, I, pe people say that if you're a creonte, you'll always be a creonte. Yeah. And when I was growing up in training, it never crossed my mind to go train somewhere else. But not because I feared being called a creonte, because I enjoyed where I trained and I enjoyed my teachers. Right? So I think it's interesting to look from that point of view. But at the same time, I think that it's important for us to understand that loyalty and, uh, and, and the code of ethics is, is something that is present in many different jobs and many different fields of, of that, you, that you could you know look upon it's not only in our art the difference is that our art right now before the podcast started i was teaching a private and i was giving my neck for the student to choke right so i'm basically putting my life and he's much bigger and stronger than i am so at that point if he doesn't let go it would be hard for me to escape he's a higher belt already so this is the kind of trust that we have right we put our life on the other person's hands. So I think the code of ethics is something that has to be present. It has to be present upon the instructors. It has to be something that is continuously taught and, and expressed to the students because this is really what makes a difference. And I think once you get to a certain level, then there's no fear of being called any names. And that's not going to keep someone from leaving or not leaving. Not today and not even back in the day. So... Yeah, I think, Pedro, that uh, there's something very common in, as you guys said, in, in different fields of different professions, which is if you're going to leave a place, you want to leave with um, through the front door, right? We say that in Portuguese. Uh, you want to leave those doors open for the future because you never know, right? You want to leave on good terms. Good terms. So I think that the least we can do as an institution that educates right, many times young individuals, is to teach that um, there are ways that you can do that. Yeah, because right? the, question, the first question is, is it acceptable to change academies, to change schools? I think yes. Yes. As Joaquin said, you should have someone be with you in a school, in a restaurant, for example. Of course, it's different, like Joaquin said, uh, as a jiu-jitsu teacher, you, you develop a, a stronger bond. That's one of the great things about our art is that we develop so many friendships. But um, in the end of the day, you want someone to be with you because they want to be with you because they made that decision based on what you have to offer um, and not because of any other reason. So 
Correct. And so if, the, if it's acceptable to leave the school because you're uncomfortable, because the objectives of the school no longer reflect your objectives, whatever the reason is, the question becomes how to do it. So I think the word creonte, in my view, doesn't apply to anyone who changes schools. It applies to those who change schools, as you said, who don't leave through the front door, who leave through the back door, who leave on bad terms, who don't have the ability, and I think the key word here is communication, to communicate appropriately with their teacher so that the teacher understands, I'm leaving for this and this reason, thank you very much for everything you did for me, but I'm leaving, and I think if it's done that way, it is absolutely okay. As I said earlier, I think what needs to be discussed... Yeah, and I think that's exactly what I was going to mention now, because when I asked you the question about Creonchi, you uh, answered it and you changed the spotlight, right? From the student, who, as you said, has the right to do it, of course, we will teach the best way to do it, which will help students even in different um, professions and whatever they choose to do in their life in different relationships, right? The best way to end a relationship, I think, is, is a very positive um, technique to develop and to learn. However, you mentioned instructors. I think instructors, teachers, have a whole different um, level of responsibility. Correct. If you could expand on that, yes, it'd be any, great. Anytime a student arrives in our school, a new student, the first question I ask is, have you trained before? One of the first questions. And if they say yes, my next question is where? Under whom? And then once they tell me that, if it's somebody in town, I ask, why did you leave? Why are you coming here? And then the next question is, did you talk to your teacher? Does he know you're coming here? Are you on good terms with your teacher? And if the answer is no, and there's not a good reason for that, because also you have to admit the possibility that the teacher did something terrible to the student and the student left for a good reason. But if that's not the case, then I always say, please talk to your teacher, make sure it's okay, make sure your teacher knows what's happening, that there's good communication, and then we'll go from there. And many times I'll even call that teacher to ask, because we don't know, maybe that student was expelled from the other school for something very bad, and then you wouldn't want to have that in your school. It's almost like when you're getting a job or you're hiring someone, having a reference. Correct. Yeah, and we had to learn these um, ways, right, over time, because that was really not the culture. It was different also, I think, at the time. Our teacher, Edu Gracie, normally only taught students who had never practiced jiu-jitsu before. Correct. Right. There wasn't really his school was pretty much one of the only schools teaching jujitsu at the time. It was different. It was different times. Different times. Yes. And but if you look at other professions, for example, professional sports, the NBA, the NFL, they all have rules against tempering. Tempering. What is tempering? What would be tempering in jujitsu? Well, tempering would be um, an instructor trying to convince a student of another school to come train under him or to have classes with him or to have classes with him correct that would be considered illegal and you would be fined for it if you yeah. were in the nba sometimes up to 10 million dollars wow right you're not 
as an owner of a team or a manager of a team, you're not allowed to talk to the players of the other teams and try to recruit them to train to play under your team. That is not allowed. And if you're caught, you're going to pay a fine. But we know that happens, right? It is considered unethical. Exactly. But we know it happens. And many times... It time, happens? Yeah, I think so. Yes, it does. It does. It does. But a yeah. owner of a school going after... I think no, we're talking about the NBA right now or the NFL. Oh, no, yeah. But I think even in Jiu-Jitsu, I don't think it happens where he's, you know, f f trying to find ways to communicate with a specific student he doesn't know. But many times, hey, you know, you should come to my school. You should come take a class here. Got it. And, and, and I think an interesting topic, and maybe Geek can expand on, why do we feel it's not positive for someone who's starting to train, someone maybe who's training already for a year, to go train in another, another school? Because if we felt it was positive, that it would help the student, then, right? And if it's positive, as long as it's done with proper communication, it's okay. But right now... There is a reason why we as instructors might recommend to students not to get confused by training in different places at the same time. Correct. Now, the student is going to be the one making the decision if he wants to do that yes, or not. Because exactly. And, and I want to yeah. make the point that teachers sometimes, just like we heard coming from a family of many doctors, that doctors sometimes have a, a God <laughs> complex, right? Because they have people's lives in their hands. I think that teachers sometimes have a complex of feeling like students belong to them. Yes, and that's negative. And that's negative. Absolutely. So we need to really establish this difference and make sure that that's not the case. Yes, so uh, once we establish that, then we might explain that the reason why we might not recommend to a student that he should go train in other places is that it might interfere with their learning, with the learning process. And there might be situations like one of our students who lived in Japan half of the year, and he asked us, what should I do? We said, go train at the Kodokan. But that's the key. He asked us. Exactly. Not even asked us. It's not like permission. But he respected us as his teachers and our ability to guide him in the best way. In the best way. Right? And he... Talk to us, and we recommended that he went to the Kodokan as he did, and he became a black belt. Yeah, I think that what we're trying to say here is that, um, again, to use an example, is imagine this. You're a doctor, and you have your patients, and another doctor comes in to your waiting room and starts to say, you know what, you should come with me. I yeah. could maybe treat you in a better way or in a different way. Maybe this doctor's not... In, med in medicine, that is a... You're breaking the code of ethics of medicine. Correct. Even if a doctor, and I've experienced this, and I remember our father talking about this. If my father, for, first of all, my father would never badmouth other doctors. You remember that. Even if we felt that in his mind he might think that the other doctor's technique was not great, he, he would, would never. never do that, number one. And number two, when someone came to him as someone else's patient, he would be very careful with accepting that, right? Because, for example, lawyers. If a lawyer leaves a firm and he's working with a client, he can't go to the client and say, I'm leaving the firm. Can't do that. You have to first communicate with the owner of the firm that you're leaving, and then jointly you send a letter to the client explaining what's happening. So 
going back to professional sports, why do they have these rules against tempering? Yeah, imagine the big mess it would be throughout the season. Correct. People, and it still happens, yes, because people break the law. People commit crimes. And in the end, we can have a discussion if laws and rules are going to help or not, but that's not what we're saying. We're talking about ethics. And we are proposing something positive that instructors have consideration for others. And even if they're going to do that in a selfish way, in the end, it's good for them because if everybody does that, it's good for everybody. Yeah, and it sets a good example. If you're a student, right, Joaquin? If you're a student and you notice that a, a teacher that maybe has a connection with your teacher or the school and you met him many times through the school that you train in and this instructor is, is tempering, is trying to convince you to have a class with him, you might do it, but in the back of your mind, you're going to say, you know what, something is wrong here. Correct. So, and, and, and sometimes it gets even worse. Imagine a student of yours goes to a seminar under another teacher. And that teacher, in the end of the seminar, promotes him to a new belt. Wow. You're a student. Yeah, this is absurd. Correct, but it happens. And it has happened many times. And it puts people in a very difficult situation right so that's the example that we want to give it's and it, in the end it's all about consideration it's like would i like if somebody did that to me shouldn't i have a conversation shouldn't i respect the fact that there's a relationship student teacher that's somebody else's student and i'm not going to temper with that relationship and i'm going to have respect for that relationship because i wouldn't appreciate if somebody did that to my student I don't do unto others what you don't like, what, what you wouldn't like for others to do unto you. It's basic, that's a golden rule. That's the basic rule of living, I believe. So it's, it's something that I, need, I think needs to be discussed. Ethical behavior by jiu-jitsu teachers. Communication between jiu-jitsu teachers. So that we avoid these types of problems. But also understanding that we must respect the freedom of the students to choose what's best for them so that they're not staying in your school because they're afraid. They're staying in your school because they think it's best for them to stay in your school and because they enjoy being in your school. Yeah, and we grew up um, training in different um, fighting systems. We never trained in different jujitsu schools. We never felt the necessity to do that. But we trained in striking arts, judo and there was ev there was always a communication between our father and grandmaster elio absolutely uh, sometimes you even went to judo training with some of his sons with hoyler yes he went to watch us yeah as elio, well elio grace. Elio grace. i remember him watching yes he trained judo exactly so and, and it's great and why not have this type of of conversation as you said the only reason why we of course we grew up as instructors right we We've been doing it now for over, I have been doing it for over 20 years. We're celebrating uh, next year, 2023, 30 years since you taught your first lessons at the University of Miami. And we learned a lot. We learned many lessons as well. So the only reason why I would see myself telling someone who comes to me and says, Guy, I'm thinking about going to this or that school to learn maybe this or that, or I'm in a trip. I think that's more common, right? If I'm traveling, I don't have a place to train. The only reason I would tell them not to go is if I have some knowledge, which I might have because that's our industry. 
that that place is no good. Correct. That that place is dangerous or they have um, a reputation of hurting people, which is very rare nowadays, but that's the only reason. Or Other, a negative environment. Or a negative environment, not depending who the student is. So that's the only reason. So the point, you know, <clears throat> I think it's a great question from our student, or actually it's not even a student of ours, it's a, somebody that follows us on, on YouTube, and we would like to thank him for that question. But I think, as you said, and I, I really like the way you, you, you answered, you first answered the question, it's not about the student. The student, yes, we need to teach them. And that's one of the reasons. Guide. Yeah, guide them. We need to instruct them on, on how to, to, to behave, you know. And I remember learning some of these uh, similar um, techniques, even of behavioral um, in, in business school. Well, even how to, how to fire someone. Correct. Right? These are skills that we need to develop. Yeah, and Which, in the end of the day, it makes the process more efficient. And I think that's why, you know, the guidance of the, of the teacher towards the student has nothing to do with the behavior of the teacher towards another student that he's trying to recruit. That has to do with morals. That has to do with values, with, with ethics. Right? And the other part is the guidance of students so that we can make his training and his learning experience the most efficient possible. Correct. Yeah, Pedro, imagine you being accepted. I remember uh, one of the schools you were accepted, I think, to, to Boston College or University, to George, to George Washington. Mm -hmm. uh, you really liked, you always liked politics, so you wanted to go to possibly to, to live close to D.C., right? And, and, and then you also were accepted to to the University of Miami. And then you chose the University of Miami. And we discussed that in one of our first episodes, right? Imagine if you were at the University of Miami and at the same time studying the same subject, trying to study, you know, at a different institution. That's not even possible. Now. Nobody does that. Correct. Correct. And, and that's, I think, what Joaquin... Correct. Yeah. Was referring to initially the fact that it might create confusion because each school, going back to jiu-jitsu, has a different pedagogy, has a different structure, has a different curriculum. And if you're trying to learn at the same time in two places, you're most likely going to confuse yourself. But I agree with Guy on the freedom part, and, and it has happened before where sometimes I'll try to explain this efficiency that's our belief and our opinion to students and Students will still kind of like, you know, question and the freedom is there. Sure. And it has happened where I said, you know, go ahead. And they come back and like, yeah, it was a great experience. I was very well treated, but I feel that at this point it's going to confuse me. Yes. So now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's because I think you have different levels, right? You have the student and then what's the best way for a student to behave and according to his own moral values, according to his own upbringing, according to his own reality. And as you guys said, we must guide, we must teach, we must instruct the students so that they, um, so that we're giving them what we believe is the best way. Because it's not just about jujitsu; it's about life. Because these same lessons about communication, about tact, about consideration, they will allow you to have better relationships in life with your family. So you're not constantly fighting with family members, with friends. Because that's how mis miscommunication leads to misunderstandings. And great relationships are broken because of that. And so these are life lessons. So obviously, 
this teaching the students about this, I think is part of jujitsu because jujitsu is a lifestyle, is a philosophy. And then you have the instructor, which that creates even a higher bar. And then on top of that, you have associations. Because you what do you mean associations? Well, you have associations of jiu-jitsu schools, for example. A group of schools. group of schools that are under one flag or under one um, name or one under one banner or part of the same association. And so one instructor or one school has several schools teaching under their flag, under their name. So, so why don't we talk about what we do? Because I think we've, we've discussed this many times over the years. There was a trend in the jiu-jitsu world um, to build as many schools as possible, and we had a different strategy. What was it? Our, the way I like to explain it is this. Our purpose from the beginning was to create the best experience for our students in our location. That always was our main focus. It was never to have a huge network of schools. We wanted to make sure that when the school students came to our school, they had the best experience. And little by little, students started to advance. Many received their black belts, and some indicated to us that they had an interest to teach. That was how it started. And we felt that we should support them. And we did. Eventually, we also started getting calls from people who don't live in town, but greatly admired the way that we teach and our process and our curriculums and our methods. And would like to somehow be part of our program. And we said, look, if you are not trained in our methods, you cannot use our name or represent us but we can start a relationship. You can start a relationship with us as a student. And then, after years, there's no set time, once you... Oh, but it's not, for sure, it's not a week or 10 days. Absolutely not. A, a relationship needs to be established. And why is that? Because we feel that one of the most important um, strengths we have as teachers today is our trajectory, how we learned, what we received from our teacher. When someone asks us, so how was it? You guys train? How long did you train? Well, we trained since we were kids with one teacher, of course, with his instructors as well. In our case, we trained with Elio Grace. We trained with his sons. We have to mention Hoyler, who was the one that taught us the most out of all his sons. For years, right? Our grandfather was a student. Of course, we have this privilege. But there is a, there is a, 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 a great uh, a time, right, of, of training and, and of connection, right? Yeah, so, that relationship was preserved for, it's going to be 70 years so next year. It's like, do you have a, a, a degree? Do you have a diploma? Yeah, I, I have a master's degree from this university and I was there for of course people know for four years or for six years and then today you have someone that says oh no I have a diploma from 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 Harvard but 
you know, I, I go there and, you know, I did a week course. And, and, and again, this is not a put down because there are many organizations out there that, that have created these systems and they do a good job in that. But of course, people know the difference. And as I said, our we purpose, have friends that, that, that do that and they do it well. But, but our purpose, that's, but that's it, why it, I was it sounds like I'm, I'm attacking. No, because that's, but the point, just so that I complete my point, is that because um, and I'll mention it, Grace University. Yes, they they do it in a way they try to the, to do it in the best possible that's way. That's because they have a different purpose from the purpose, beginning. And I respect the way they do it, right? Hero and Hannah, they do a great job. But there are many other organizations out there where it's the equivalent of you saying, "Yes, I went to the University of Miami. I went to Harvard University, but yeah, I go there once a year." or I did a one-week course there. And, and this happens now. There's problems now. People say, oh, I went to Harvard. And then they go, oh, really? You went to Harvard? Oh, they wow. took a course. And then it's like <laughs> they took a course, an exactly. online course or yeah. something, right? Yeah, but in this case, it's teaching under a name. Teaching yeah. under a name. So it's almost like you're going to, almost no, you're, you're going to open up a Harvard school. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling the students that I'm under someone that I only trained with for a week. Yeah, and, and, yeah by, and, and you're teaching under a, a name. Especially when you don't have a curriculum, when you don't have a system. Yeah. I think the main point, and, and Peter explained very well, which connects with what you just said, Guy, is that the purpose of why we did this was so that we would give students that were with us and that enjoyed so much the lifestyle to be able to teach jiu-jitsu a path. Correct. Because in the past, we've seen where sometimes there was no path and people left. Correct. So that caused someone that had an amazing relationship with an instructor for so long. And because there was no path, he had to leave and, and then that yeah, relationship course. got broken. So we didn't want to do this and we wanted to create exactly. a path. Exactly. But that was never a, a, a business uh, plan for us. That was never something that we said, okay, this is a business opportunity. Correct. So let's try to start recruiting people and open schools. That's the point. Yeah. And, and the reason why I think this connects so well, and I'm glad you mentioned that I wasn't thinking about it when you talked about jujitsu associations is tell me if you agree. I think that many times certain types of associations that are out there and the way they go about it, which, you know, many of them have very little to offer as far as organization and structure and training um, is oftentimes just a famous name behind it. Yes. They actually create many creonches. For sure. For other people. For other people. People who betray their own instructors. That's what I was going to say. I, for example, teach... We teach Thinking seven. that being connected to a certain name is going to make or break their school. Correct. And, and I... Um, we all teach seminars. And many times when we teach seminars instructors under other associations might attend the seminar if it's an open seminar never would i go to that person and try to convince them to become a member of yes. my association and even if they would come to me asking i always say have you talked to your instructor have you because i have consideration even for the instructors who i don't know but it's a matter of ethics yeah i think that if they come to your seminar it's even worse so if you're trying to connect with the Valente brothers and you have a school and you're training somewhere, if you come to our seminar trying to get away from your instructor, it's going to be difficult for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because, you know, in the end of the day, I don't know if it's because we were raised by, by, doctor, no, by, by a doctor, you know, our grandparents also, great-grandparent, great-grandfather was a doctor. Uh, but, uh, you know, you have to have a, a certain level of 
of I think consideration. It's, you know, and I think it's morals. No? Respect. Yeah. No, and, and I think, Guy, that it's not even a certain level. I think we have to be bound by a great sense of ethics. Good. Any other topics on this? So we would like to thank you so much for the great support uh, over this great year of 2022. We had... Um, you know, many great things happen here at Valente Brothers. Uh, more and more of you have been sending us very positive messages. And we look forward to another great year in 2023, celebrating the 30th anniversary of Valente Brothers. Thank you very much.